usually Lucy's shtick. Uh, Minnie just, like, she'll get up and, like, headbutt your hand, and then you'll go to, like, boop her nose, and she'll lean into the boop, and it's just the cutest fucking thing. <laughs> I tell you what June did yesterday when I was on a call. No. Luckily, it was just, like, one consultant. It was, like, a one-on-one. But she jumped onto the back of my chair, as she's learned to do. Uh-huh. Um, and then she started, like, she she started like trying to climb over my shoulder onto the desk but then she settled for just kind of reaching up and biting the back of my head (laughs) this consultant is trying to like ask me a question i'm like i missed everything you just asked me because my goddamn cat keeps biting me (laughs) anyway so this is yeah 31 afternoonified um so i keep referencing the time that my ancestors got lost on their way to oregon your ancestors did a Donner party? Uh, they did a minor Donner party. They did a, a Donner gathering. Sorry to like spoil it right off the top, but... Oh, no. No, no. I mean, um, you've referenced it. Yeah, I've, I've talked about it before, so I figured today was a good time to finally tell the story. It's not like the anniversary of it or anything. I just realized that I never fully explained it. I don't think I've even heard the full story. You, I mean, you've linked me to like the Wikipedia page, but I probably just skimmed it. Well, they... At our family reunions, they would always read an excerpt from a book by Emma Bond Wheeler. Um, it was at the Wheeler family reunion. And they'd, they'd always read it, but it's been a while since I've been to the family reunion, so I didn't remember the story very well. So, yes, uh, my sources are my vague memories of the readings from that book. Also, a Statesman Journal article, which I didn't write the title down for but uh i also bothered my mom and grandma a little (laughs) the title of the book is the lost emigrant train um for the bond family reunion for the bond family reunion is part of the title so she basically was specifically written to be read at family reunions yes i i uh i respect that yeah uh emma bond wheeler was actually born a few years after this whole clusterfuck but it was her parents were on the wagon train and i think like some other relatives this is like a complete diversion but i just was thinking about we also have like not a book book but like we have a book that was compiled for abusing family reunion forever ago uh about like the my great great Great, no, just great grandparents that immigrated and then all their kids and like who their kids married and like the story of their families. I definitely found at least one couple in there that like married in January and had their first child in June. Oh, just goes completely uncommented on. <laughs> I can see why. <laughs> anyway, that just made me think of that and that always was pretty funny. Yeah, I, I was reading Miss of Avalon and like Arthur was born like exactly nine months after Uther and Egraine married and everyone was like losing their fucking minds. I'm like, man, it really does matter to you people. (laughs) So this is not as exciting as the Donner Party. It's the same vibe. Which no is, one gets eaten. You know, it's it's just dumb white people thinking they have shortcuts. It's tends to be a problem. Um, So the story actually begins with a different wagon train, which we'll get into in a minute. But just in case you're not from the United States or never had a computer lab time in elementary school, um, people were very hot to get to the West Coast in the 1800s because we had vastly overpopulated the eastern part of the country. And there were allegedly more opportunities out West because there were fewer people, more farming land that we could steal from the indigenous peoples. Some gold. Once in a while. Some gold occasionally, but not always. 
That was more up in the Yukon. A lot of hype about gold. Yes, there was much talk about gold. Uh, if you'd like to see a great representation of that, there's a History Channel miniseries called Yukon. <gasps> With Richard Madden. Exactly. I don't know if it's crazy historically accurate, but Richard Madden's in it, and that's what matters. I remember watching it and being bored, but goddammit, Richard Madden was in it, so, you know. <laughs> and then you're like, man, I could be watching, like, Cinderella or Rocket Man or... <laughs> I won't ever watch Cinderella. He shaved for that one, and no. Nah. Oh, but his pants, the pants are so tight. And, uh, anyway, so this whole like lack of opportunities in the middle and eastern part of the country has led to mass migrating to, uh, the west coast via the Oregon Trail and some other the video less game. Im- yes. Uh, there were also some other less important trails. You only really hear about the Oregon one. Well, yeah, because that's the one that has a video game after it. Yes. I would kill to play, like, Oregon Trail. Not the, like, 8-bit version. The, like, the one, version, like, 2 or 3. The one that came out in, like, 2000, maybe? maybe no, a little, a little earlier. earlier than that. Because I would have still been playing in, like, elementary school. But the one that had, like, graphics and, like... Yeah, like, even, like, version 2 or something. Like, version 1, also still very good. But, like, version 2 is the one I, ha- I hold the most nostalgia for. The version, because I didn't have a computer lifetime in my Catholic school because they didn't believe in computers. (laughs) Um, But I had a copy at home and like it was slightly more sophisticated and like you had to pick what supplies you were going to bring and like you could click on people and talk to them. It It was great. Damn. God, I would literally kill to play that right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So in 1845... A man named Stephen Meek had inferiority issues with his brother, who was the famous mountain man Joe Meek, who helped blaze the Oregon Trail. (laughs) In what I assume was a bid to outdo his brother, Stephen decided to try to find a shortcut from Idaho to the Willamette Valley via the Cascade Mountains in eastern Oregon. Um, The Willamette Valley is where the Oregon Trail dumped out and also where I'm from. (laughs) I feel like going over mountains is never a great idea. Never. I I know you have to because it's... The, That's like, the, only the Rockies way, yeah. are in the way, but the, the Rockies and the Sierras and all of that, the Cascades. Ba, ba, ba. So this did not go well. <laughs> as after, it is want to do. Yeah. After leading a thousand people through the disgustingly hot, barren high desert of Eastern Oregon, uh, Meek was lost and the people who were following him literally almost hung him from the yolks of their wagons. <laughs> you know... I would, too, probably. I, I would feel that urge. Uh, they didn't, though, and they continued to not know where they were going, lost 23 people and all of their livestock Holy in the process. Uh, they did eventually wander their way to the Dalles, which is a stop on the Oregon Trail. And with the help of an indigenous person who was kind enough to help them, they, they found their way back. Um, if you're interested in more about this particular wagon train, there's a movie about it with Bruce Greenwood, Michelle Williams, Paul Dano. Really? Uh, it's called Meek Cutoff, or Meek's Cutoff. That sounds like it's probably a very grim movie. It is. Uh, it was shot in Oregon, and actually one of my old professors did the art direction for it. Oh, nice. I just assume if Paul Dano's in it, it's probably kind of a bummer of a movie. <laughs> He's been in... He was in that movie where, like, Daniel Radcliffe was, was a corpse, which I keep meaning to watch but haven't been in the mood I know that's necessary to watch that film. Yeah, that's 
Okay. I'll I'll append that to you. A bummer and or weird. weird. <laughs> With all due respect to Paul Dano, who I do enjoy. I ex- I'm excited to see him in the Batman. Uh, so that part of the trail now is called meat cutoff. Like the part where they got hopelessly lost. So now it shouldn't probably be part of the trail then, right? Like, well, we figured it out later. Um, so if you take anything from this episode, it should be that having a trail named after you in pioneer times is not a good thing because you no. have Donner Pass, Meat Cutoff, and Elliot Cutoff, which is what we're going to talk about for real. <laughs> so for seven years, no one was super excited about blazing new trails through the Cascades on account of the whole Meek situation. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. But then a group of Eugene-area settlers decided to try scouting the Cascade Range shortcut again in the opposite direction. They figured that crossing the mountain would be easier, like finding their way across the mountain would be easier if they started from their ending point and worked east. Just to kind of find a way through? Because it was a long, like, roundabout way to get from Idaho to the Willamette Valley, because the Cascades were in the way. So you had to, like, I guess someone found, like, on the Oregon Trail a way that, that worked and was easy, but it took longer. And, you know, there has to be a shorter way. So a guy named John Diamond set out with six other men from Eugene in March of 1852. So I guess maybe we're close to an anniversary. I don't know. Um, and they went to explore a route up the Middle Fork Willamette River. And they actually managed to get to Idaho, but were involved in a fight with indigenous peoples and had to be hauled home via the original Oregon Trail. Yeah. However, this information was relayed to the people back in Eugene, and it was decided that a road would be built through the area that they had explored. A feat which is another story entirely. It was very expensive. They did not quote enough money to begin with. All right. So now we have this guy, Elijah Elliott who was pretty excited about this new path because his family was still in Fort Boise in Idaho, and they were preparing to head over to Oregon to meet up with him. Because, you know, sometimes the men went ahead to get things set up, and then the women and children followed on a different wagon train. So thinking it would be easier for them to take the new road that was supposed to be getting underway, he went over to Idaho to lead them back on the new road, but he didn't take said road to Idaho because, like I said, it was just starting to get built. That seems like an oversight. Like, maybe try it out. Well, hmm. Uh, so when he reached Fort Boise, Elliot explained to the crowds of travelers uh, that there was work on a road that would be a shorter by, like, a couple hundred miles, if I'm not mistaken. Which, to be fair, is a significant It's a huge deal. Especially when you're traveling by fucking wagon. Yes. With, like, women and children and all of your shit and, like, your livestock. So he announced that he would lead all comers across the route. So, like, anyone who wanted to come with him, he'd lead them. He did not mention that he had never been on this trail before. (laughs) No way would he. How is that relevant? But these, but people were won over by Elliot's enthusiasm. 1,027 people were won over by his enthusiasm, with a total 215 wagons between them. That's a lot. And my family, the Bond and McClure families, were in that that group. So already, we're kind of dumb. Some good judgment in those genes of yours. So, like I said, Elliot never mentioned that he had uh, not been over the route and was just working off of John Diamond's notes. (laughs) Which I'm sure were very comprehensive. Oh, yeah. 
He also didn't know that the road builders had decided not to start work that summer after all. Meaning, there was no fucking road. (laughs) And they realized that after they were already underway, so instead they followed Meek's wagon tracks. (laughs) Oh my god. The people who got lost? Yes. Uh, they followed them until the group could not agree how to proceed and split up. So part of them went to follow a path along the lake, and some of them went to slog through marshes. Did they know it was Meek's trail? Yes. But it's all they had. <sighs> yeah, but, I mean, you gotta do better. Than, I mean, I guess there's, like, some logic in, yes, he got lost, but he, he did, did find eventually his way out. It. Yeah. Still. Good Christ. After several weeks, the trains reconvened, like they met up with each other, and started across the high desert, which, as we've discussed previously, is fucking miserable. Yeah. It's fucking miserable now. (laughs) It doesn't sound like fun. That's where, like, all the the white supremacists live, right? Yeah. I mean, the high desert's beautiful, but you don't want to just, like, ride a wagon through it. It's just go to the museum and bend. Like, it's so much easier. Um, so while they were on the high desert, they lost almost all of the livestock to thirst. Yep. Um, so Elliot kept looking for Diamond Peak, which is a landmark that John Diamond's note said would stand beside the finished road. John Diamond named this peak after himself. As as we as you want do. to do. Yeah. Yes. Um, on October 2nd, the Cascade Range finally came into sight. They aren't even over the goddamn mountain oh yet. Oh my god. <laughs> The travelers argued about which of the snow peaks was actually Diamond Peak. <sighs> and it should be said that during this trip, people, when they realized that they were lost, also tried to hang Elliot from the wagon <laughs> <laughs> So he's doing great. Um, so yeah, to settle the job. question, two search parties were sent out. One to the Three Sisters, which is a group of mountains, and one to the actual Diamond Peak. So the first group scouted the alpine notch between the South and Middle Sisters, a barren area that does not have a trail even today. And the second search party actually did find trees blazed with axe marks that John Diamond had left the year before. So although the road was obviously not yet completed, they rode on with the hope that they'd meet the road builders. So everything sucked and they were out of food. And I'm not going to get into it, but they did manage to find some some food, um, deer. I'm assuming there was like hunting and fishing involved. Yeah, they found deer, squirrels, dead salmon from the river, the usual. Kind of like how bears will eat the salmon that have died after spawning. I didn't know this was a thing. I don't bears eat live salmon. Um, actually, I was watching a documentary on it last night. Um, some of the older bears know that if they go further out beyond where the salmon are spawning. Uh, there's salmon that have already spawned and are dead and they don't have to fucking like work to catch them. I respect that. Yeah. Those are smart bears. <laughs> it wasn't enough. And eventually everyone had to abandon their wagons due to the terrain. So exhausted, sick, starving, cold, all of your Oregon Trail highlights. They sent the strongest men ahead to bring help from the Willamette Valley. This went a little bit better than the Forlorn Hope, which is the uh, party that did the same thing for the Donner Party. But... Uh-huh. Only marginally. And then no one ate, had to... No one had to, to eat each other. Yeah. yeah. No cannibalism in this story that I know of. I, one guy did have to shoot his dog and then his neighbors got mad at him because he didn't share. It's his dog. Yeah. Well, I guess they had asked if they could buy the dog from him so they could eat it. And he was like, fuck you. And then he ended up doing it anyways. 
Mm. Um, so on October 14th, one of the men in the advance party wrote in his diary, I can't do a good Ken's burn voice. Ken Burns voice, not Ken's burn. He's not the attorney's general. <laughs> so he wrote, on this night, we camped in the rain and had a hard time to get our fire started. And McClure, family member, was sick and discouraged and said, boys, I don't think I shall ever be able to get into the valley, but I want you to save yourselves because while you are a stout, because while you are stout enough to travel, I think it would be wrong for you to perish on my account. And I said, no, McClure, I'll never leave you in these woods as long as there's a button on your old coat. That's very romantic. I know. Uh, so Andrew McClure and his friends stayed together by the river and another scout, Martin Blanding, left to go alone for help. <laughs> so Martin was pretty much like, I'm going to let you guys have a moment because <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> he seemed there. there's some feelings here that uh, there's a little I wish I could quit you happening. <laughs> So on October 16th, a 13-year-old boy was watching cattle near his family's farm in Lowell, which is 15 minutes from Eugene, when he noticed an emaciated man lying unconscious in a field. Oh boy. Yeah. It was Blanding. After bringing him to town, there was some debate as to whether or not he was in his right mind, since no one would try to cross the damn cascades in the manner that he was describing. Most people are logical. Yeah, but the settlers decided to send a rescue party just to be on the safe side, which is good because they found literally hundreds of starving, cold people waiting for help. What time of year was this? Uh, It would have been late October. Oh, boy. Yep. Not great. So in the weeks that followed, the rescuers made many trips, bringing horses loaded with supplies. So before the winter snows arrived, more than a thousand people from the lost wagon train had reached the Eugene area, and their numbers doubled the population of settlers in what became Lane County, my home county. And that's the story of how my family got lost on the way from Idaho, by way of Indiana, by way of Virginia, <laughs> where I guess... Um, they were originally from. What a story. Yes, they did it slowly and effectively and spitting in the face of reason. <laughs> but they did it. Hey, I'll give you credit. Like, my family was not even in the country at that time, so. Yeah, I guess um, the family of Isaac Bond, who is, like, my ancestor that started this whole thing. I guess if you're going the mail. Like, I, there was also Hetty McClure who married him, so they're also part of the family, but... That's the story of the Lost Wagon Train of 1853. That's quite a legacy, Emily. Yes, we have a cutoff named after. Well, not us, but Elliot, because this is his fault. It, yeah, we can blame Elliot. That's fine. Someday I'll go to Elliot Cutoff <laughs> with a map. Please do. Or GPS. Yeah, it is the year of our Lord 2021. <laughs> I'm still, like, terrified of getting lost in the woods. Like, that's one of my biggest fears, I think. I've I've just thought of that... Uh, into the wild thing a little too much uh, yeah not great not a good way to go yeah i mean i've been to survival camp but it's not enough <laughs> no you surviving itself is a little more difficult than that i need to learn how to forage better get on back on stardew <laughs> i don't think there's just berries lying off to the side of the road <laughs> literal bunches of grapes just in the middle of the forest <laughs> all right goodbye guys goodbye we love you
For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.